Welcome to the Audiobook Speakeasy. I'm Rich Miller, and I'm your host here at the Speakeasy. This is where you'll meet narrators, coaches, engineers, and other audiobook professionals, as well as some listeners who'll be sharing what they look for in a good audiobook. If you're interested in audiobook production, you've come to the right place. So come on in, grab a drink, pull up a chair, and join us for a friendly chat about audiobooks. Joining me tonight in the Speakeasy is a blogger who discovered audiobooks about four years ago and ended up falling in love with the art form so much that she started marketing them. Jess Herring, also known as the Audiobookworm, welcome to the Audiobook Speakeasy. Hi, Rich. Thanks for having me on. I am very happy that you're here. What are you drinking tonight? Green tea. What a bookish drink, right? <laughs> it's a bookish drink for those who like to drink green tea while reading or <laughs> listening to books. So uh, I hope that it's a good one for you. It is. It is. I actually probably, it's probably a little too sweet. <laughs> I know that the tea drinkers probably wouldn't consider it, uh, you know, like a, a real tea, but I like it. I like a lot of sugar. Sweet tea. So that sounds like kind of a Southern thing, but we can get into it that. Is. We can get into that in a bit. I am joining you in a drink tonight. Uh, a few episodes ago, I had PJ Oakland here and he shared his recipe for a Triple Bitters Manhattan, and I thought that it sounded so good that I went out and bought some orange bitters. I already had the other two, and uh, so I am having a PJ Oakland special, Triple Bitters Manhattan. So thanks for coming in tonight. Cheers. All right, so uh, where are you from? I'm from eastern North Carolina. I actually, um, I'm from about an hour east of Raleigh, but I spend a lot of my time uh, down at Emerald Isle. Emerald Isle, I've heard of it, never been there. It's beautiful. Yeah? Is it a popular vacation spot? It is. It is. We have a, a place down there, so that's my home away from home. Oh, that's great. It's uh, nice to have a home away from home that's in a nice vacation area. It is. It is. It's so relaxing. So uh, so what was life like growing up out there? I'm, I am a West Coaster for pretty much my whole life until we moved into the desert southwest here in Arizona, so uh, not really familiar with that area. Um. Picture a small southern town, you know, straight from a, a, a Fanny Flag novel or, okay. or Karen White or something, and that was it, basically. I, I'm not even going to lie. It was picturesque and idyllic, and, and it still is. No kidding. So you really enjoyed it there? I did, yeah. I, I had a great uh, childhood. That's great. So how far are you from there now? I'm still here. <laughs> oh, so you're still in the same location. Yeah, people don't tend to uh, to, to go too far from here. Well, that's great. So you had a great time growing up in this area, and um, you're still there. So clearly, you still like it. Well, I, I did. I shouldn't say clearly. I'm... There are people all over the place who are still where they grew up, and they don't like right. it. But but it sounds like a, a beautiful place, and you really enjoy it. Right. No, I'm happy to be here. Um, you know, I, I grew up here, so I have roots here, and I'm happy to remain planted here. I'm really close to all of my family. Um, actually, about 90% of my family lives on one road. I know that sounds like such a stereotype, but it's wow. actually true. Um, they live on the road that I live on, and we're all extremely close. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really uh, satisfied here. That's great. So it sounds like you get along with your family real well. I do. I'm fortunate, yes. Yeah, no, that's great. That, that's great. Um, so did you go to school locally there or someplace else? I did. Yeah. I went to, uh, undergrad and graduate school in North Carolina. Oh, wow. So close to home, stay close to that family. what did you do for mm -hmm. uh, undergrad? Clinical psychology. Clinical psychology. And then you became a blogger. 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> sounds sounds like an interesting. Uh, Don't inter- analyze me, Rich. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. Um, <laughs> and then, what did you do for uh, for graduate school? Rehabilitation counseling, also in the you know psychology field. What does that entail? Um, it's about helping uh, individuals with disabilities uh, find gainful employment and um, you know be as independent as possible. Wow, that's fantastic. I'll bet it's uh, rewarding. Yeah, I'm actually not doing that. <laughs> it would have been, probably. But you studied but, it in graduate school, but you're not doing it. Yeah, I know. It's, I feel like that happens a lot. I hope it happens a lot anyway. Well, um, I, know, I know that it happens all the time for undergrad <laughs> work, but usually what I hear of is people going to graduate school and then, well, you know, now that I think about it, I actually know quite a few people who went to graduate school and are doing nothing in the field that they studied. So maybe, uh, maybe I spoke too soon. Um, <laughs> but it, but it does sound really great. Is that something that you are still considering doing at some point? I, I don't know. I'm not going to rule anything out. It is something that, um, I'm passionate about. And, uh, I, I think that the, the nearer I got to, you know, doing that, um, I, I just realized that it's not where my immediate passion was. See, I started the audio bookworm, um, about a year into, uh, my graduate school life. And, um, slowly the audio bookworm just started becoming my primary passion, my main focus. And I, I had to tell myself, okay, this is just a hobby. You know, I need to stay focused on school. But at the same time, I felt like I was denying myself something that could really be fulfilling in a different sort of way. Um, and then finally, uh, one day I just thought, why am I, why am I denying myself this? If it's where my heart is right now, go for it. You know, it might not be what I'm always going to be doing, Sure, yeah. but, um, if it's making me happy now, I, I'm not going to stop myself from pursuing it. That's great. I, I love hearing that, uh, because it's, it's very easy to get, I think, overly focused on what you should be doing or what you are supposed mm-hmm. to be doing. And, and sometimes that ends up blinding people to what they actually enjoy and, uh, and, and what they truly should be doing. So that's good to hear that you were able to kind of look at it that way and, and keep going and that you also see who knows, you know, nobody knows what the future holds. Exactly. And I know that, you know, the, the saying, follow your dreams sounds so, um, idealistic, but I was in a position that I actually could afford to, to, put my, you know, quote, real life on hold, um, and, and follow my dream and see where it led. And it, it's led here. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds great. So you said that you, uh, you started the audio bookworm stuff when you were, when you had already started graduate school. Yes. But you were already blogging before that, right? I was, yeah, I was dabbling here and there. I had a couple of tumblers. And what, what were those about? Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I've always been an Anglophile and just a, a history lover and um, specifically of, of royalty. I love watching documentaries and, and reading books about uh, the royalty of the world. So I kind of started blogging about that. Uh, there's a kind of small Tumblr community uh, that blogs about royalty and follows, um, you know, the royals of the world and, and their goings on. Uh, so that's where I started. That was my kind of jumping off point. And it just, it spread from there, uh, politics, uh, sports, uh, kind of like a, a mishmash of everything. 
That's great. I I love hearing that. There, um, I'm I'm definitely not an Anglophile, but there are certain aspects of it that have always kind of captivated me. Um, one of them is um, the Once and Future King. I I love all the the mythology around Arthur, but that goes back mm-hmm. a long ways. Um, the the more recent stuff, you know, in the past thousand years or so. I know that there are a lot of people who really follow that. And mm-hmm. um, the one time I was able to go to um, to London back, geez, I think it was over 20 years ago now, I visited the tower and uh, I was amazed. It was um, it was really just enthralling. Um, really loved it. And I know that a lot of people really follow that stuff. So that, that sounds really cool. Yeah. And I'm, I'm super jealous that you were able to visit London. <laughs> well, I'm hoping to go back someday and I definitely want to go back to the tower. I think I I only I was there on a work trip and I only had like a half a day. And when I was done, I was like, I'm not even going to remember this. This wasn't enough time. So <laughs> I, I definitely want to go back. But um, really fascinating stuff. So okay. now I know who to contact when I see some reference in some book that I'm narrating to, uh, you know, a king or a queen from several hundred years ago. Now I know who to contact if I have any questions. Absolutely. I would welcome that. <laughs> That's great. So, uh, so there were blogs here and there, and then, uh, and then, what got you into audiobooks specifically? Well, um, I just kind of stumbled across. Uh, well, let me start over. Actually, what got me really into it uh, was the Audible free trial. I feel like that is a common thing. That's probably, you know, it probably connects me with a bunch of other audiobook listeners. They probably started with the Audible free trial as well. Sure. Um, but I, I started there and had no idea what to listen to. I just sort of um, thought, hmm, I've heard of the Stephen King fellow. I'll, you know, try something from him. Had you ever read any Stephen King? No, I hadn't. Uh, because I always thought that it was too scary for me. Uh, um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of horror movies or anything like that. But there's something different about being able to listen to a, a Stephen King audiobook. Like, for example, I've... Uh, I heard The Shining, I think, two Halloweens ago. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Then I tried to watch the movie, and I couldn't get through it. I, I can understand that. It's it's funny, because I always think of The Shining when I think of Stephen King and the different forms of media, um, because I was an avid Stephen King fan when I was a kid. Um, well, yeah, kid, teenage, whatever. Uh, and The Shining to this day remains one of my favorite books ever that I read, but I read Mm -hmm. all of his, all of his first, I don't know, 12 or 15 or 20 books or whatever it was, um, at at least up through the stand. And I think quite a few after that too, but I loved the shining. It was such a great book. And then I saw the movie and it was long after, well, it was some, sometime after the movie came out and I'd heard such great things about it. And honestly, I was so disappointed because it was so different from the book. Mm-hmm. I will say that uh, a local theater here does weekend movies at 10 o'clock. And one night they showed The Shining. And so I took a cocktail with me and I sat through The Shining. And I actually thought, this is actually a good movie. It's not so good if you're comparing it to the book. But standing on its own, this is actually I, – I get why this was so popular. And it, and it really had some, some good things going for it. But as a fan of the book, right at first when I saw it, it was it was difficult to get through. So I I totally understand that. So which audiobook was it that you listened to by uh, by King? It was eleven twenty two sixty three. And it's funny that you're mentioning um, you know 
book versus movie comparisons because whenever 112263 was made into um, a TV series on Hulu, I was over the moon when that announcement was made. Um, and then I watched it and I, I didn't love it. I, yeah. I really didn't even like it. And, and this great book, probably my favorite book of all time, it just felt almost ruined. I and totally then my brother. Understand. And then my brother, who has never read the book, uh, he watches the show and loved it. Yeah, so, I I wouldn't be surprised if that's really common. It's it you have to look you have to think of them as just kind of separate entities, barely, right? Barely related. I'm actually not familiar with that one because at one point, um, I don't remember which one it was. It might have been it. I never never got through it. But at one point, I just uh, wasn't that interested in in King's writing anymore. Um, I'd actually like to read some more of the more recent stuff to see how things have changed. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm not familiar with 112263. So what was it about that audiobook that you found so entrancing? Gosh, everything. I mean, I, that seems like the easy answer, but it really was everything. <laughs> it was the combination of history. Um, just to give you a rundown, since you're not that familiar with the book, um, it's about uh, this this high school teacher, I believe he was an English teacher, um, who goes back in time to stop the assassination of President Kennedy. I figured that's what the date referred to because I knew that that yeah. was shortly after I was born. Oops, shouldn't have said that. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was the combination of real life history and time travel. I mean, I, I love time travel and I love history. So, you know, combining those things is always going to be a win for me. Sure. Um, and then as it goes on, sort of, uh, it evolves into alternate history and just the way that Stephen King, um, sort of his spin on time travel, because every author does time travel differently, obviously with something so, with such a, a huge concept, um, yet it's still sort of a vague concept, right? Like really abstract. So mm -hmm. a lot of authors are able to um, take a lot of liberties with it. And the way that... Stephen King made it so real. I mean, it, his time travel, his concept of time travel was almost tangible. It was so detailed. And I thought, gosh, he, he really has figured it out. <laughs> now if he could just build a machine to actually do it. Exactly. So, <laughs> Or a, a meat freezer, as it was in this case. A meat freezer. Yeah, I think it was something like that. Yeah, in a diner. Nice. <laughs> I, now, now I want to read it because that sounds pretty interesting. Um but I will say that it does look like like one of his um, kind of mid uh, mid career works. I don't know when he wrote it exactly, but I just looked it up, and the audiobook is almost thirty one hours, so mm -hmm. uh, quite a marathon there. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. And that's one of the longest ones I think. Well, not counting the Outlander books, but thirty one. That's on the longer end of you know the audiobooks that I've heard, and that was the first one. <laughs> And did the narrator keep you captivated the whole time? Oh my gosh, yes. I I believe it was, was it Will Patton? No, who, no it's who uh, Craig, Craig Wasson. Craig Wasson, yes. Okay, and he's done more of King's books, I think. I'm not sure. Well, <laughs> but the whole Audible right in front of me, I, I don't know. The whole the whole thing has uh, outstanding ratings all the way across, including mm -hmm. his performance. So, um Yes, I remember it being just, I mean, it, the whole thing just floored me. I had no idea that a book could be so immersive. And Wasson's narration obviously had a ton to do with that. Sure, yeah. 
that's uh, that's great that it kept you interested that long. Have you listened to any other Stephen King audiobooks since then? Yes, um, since then it's sort of become a uh, a tradition that I listen to Stephen King every October. <laughs> Good month to pick. <laughs> exactly, I'm I'm big on like themes and and. Uh, timing and seasonality and all of that. So he's perfect for October. I heard um, uh, The Shining, and then I heard the next year I heard the sequel to The Shining, Doctor Sleep, which I, was actually even better than The Shining. I got to get that because I've never heard of that one. So good. That's great. That's great that you uh, that you've kind of kept with it for a for a theme <laughs> there for the month. Makes it easy to pick the book that month, right? Exactly. My my October uh, reading list or listening list is always so much longer than all of the other months. <laughs> That's good. That's great. So uh, so then after you got enthralled by listening to a Stephen King audiobook, you started blogging about audiobooks. Mm-hmm. So what was that like? I did. Yeah. Well, I'm the kind of person when I love something, I can't keep it to myself. Um, but at that time, and honestly, sort of to this day, uh, I'm the only person in my family and circle of friends that is really into audiobooks. So I couldn't, you know, go to to people around me and, and gush about, oh my gosh, I just heard the greatest book. Uh, so I took to the internet and started blogging and telling people about it that way. That's great. It's too bad that you haven't been able to convince your family that uh, audiobooks are a great art form. Maybe with yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, they dabble now because they know that it's something that I'm so um, enthusiastic about, but uh, it, it hasn't really stuck with anyone. Hmm. So, uh, so you started blogging. Just uh, w- how did you how did you start doing that? Was it about reviewing? Was it about just saying, "Oh my God, audiobooks are great"? I mean, what was what was the focus of your your audiobook blog um, project? Oh, it was sort of all of the above. Uh, I started reviewing and I also wanted to start kind of compiling resources because as I got further and further into the audiobook world, you know, as a, a newbie, um, I was discovering all of these other services. You know, at first I thought there was just Audible and then I discovered Scribed and they had unlimited listening at that time. And then they went to a credit based system and now they have unlimited listening again. Um and I, I was like, oh, my gosh, OK, if I'm just discovering these things, I wonder who else out there doesn't know about them. So I, I started blogging about services and um, ways to check out audiobooks from your library, just anything to do with um, a, a newbie's experience into the audiobook world. And how did that go? Did you get a lot of uh, feedback or was it difficult to get any traction? Yeah, I, I got feedback from people who were new to the audiobook community, just like me. And I also got feedback from people who, you know, knew about these services. And then they said, oh, and here are more. <laughs> so uh, it was it was a nice um, sort of honeymoon period there where I was just felt so uh, embraced by the community and, and just the discovery of everything that was new and um, like a little kid, you know, and, and the first time you go into a candy shop, you just don't know where to look. <laughs> That's great. It sounds like it was a good experience then. It was. It was. That's I've good. had nothing but good experiences. Oh, that's good to hear. Good to hear. Mm-hmm. So you still love the audiobook community. 
So, Absolutely. So you started doing that, and then you started grad school, and uh, or vice versa, one way or the other, kind of around the same time. And uh, you were doing this thing that was totally different from audiobooks, but you kept doing the blogging and um, kind of decided to stay with that. When did you get into marketing audiobooks? That... <laughs> I sort of just kind of stumbled into it. Honestly, it fell into my lap. It wasn't this goal. It wasn't anything that was done purposely. Um, I was blogging for a little while and then I started seeing like blog tours pop up that other people were doing. And I thought, Hmm, how do you, you know, get in on that? I want to host a blog tour. Um, as you know, like a, a person who hosts one of the stops, not the coordinator of the tour. So, Uh, so describe what, what is a blog tour? A blog tour is meant to mimic a book tour, uh, that authors sometimes take, you know, say that, uh, you have this new book and you want to go on a book tour and you go from city to city and you go to signings and readings and events with fans, things like that. But, uh, as you can imagine, that's really expensive, really time consuming, probably really exhausting. Um, a a blog tour is meant to mimic a real, a, a physical book tour, but in a virtual sense. Sometimes they're also called virtual book tours. Uh, so instead of going from, you know, bookstore to bookstore doing signings and, and this, that and the other, you go from blog to blog. Uh, one day you'll be on, you know, this many blogs that have signed up and you'll maybe do a guest post or an interview or something, some sort of exclusive feature for that blog that is meant to promote your book. That sounds cool. And have you found those to be effective for your clients? I have. Yeah, I, I really have it. The goal of a blog tour is exposure, mm-hmm. right? That's the, the direct goal. I mean, sales are always nice, right? Mm-hmm. But that's sort of an indirect, uh, effect, mm-hmm. um, as far as exposure goes and getting the word out. Yes. I find them extremely effective. How do your, how do your clients feel about them? I mean, do they enjoy doing them or do they find them exhausting? Like a, like a real book tour might be. Honestly, um, (laughs) a lot of the feedback that I get is uh, thanking me for making it so easy and so painless. (laughs) Oh, that's good. uh, Yeah, a lot of people will come in and think, okay, I don't have a lot of time to devote to this. I'm really busy. Um, And and honestly, I I try to do as much of it myself as I can. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and I've been doing it for a while now, so I think I've gotten most of the kinks kind of straightened out and can make it pretty painless and a, a seamless experience. Um, but I get a, a lot of feedback from clients saying that uh, it, it was actually a lot easier than they were expecting. That's great. Um, are most of your clients authors or publishers or narrators or who, who mostly seeks out this type of exposure? I did the numbers at the end of last year, and it's uh, the majority of my clients are authors by a percentage of about sixty to forty, I think. Okay. Uh, uh, roughly, I mean that. Uh, occasionally, I'll get uh, publishers, but that's a very small uh, fraction of my clientele. It's normally about sixty uh, percent authors and about forty percent narrators. So for the narrators, how does how is it that you are marketing books with narrators? I mean, uh, are the 
are the blog tours more about like trying to have an interview with the narrator so that listeners can get familiar with them? Yeah, yeah. See, listeners are really craving interaction with the narrators because the narrator is the star of the audiobook. The author writes the book, obviously, and not taking anything away from them, but narrators can enhance a listening experience exponentially. Sure, yeah, or ruin it. <laughs> well, we, we try not to focus on that, right? <laughs> right. Um, I know, I try not to focus on it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, if, if a blogger has the chance to interview a narrator, they normally jump at it because that's someone that they otherwise probably wouldn't have access to. That's great. So what else do you do for marketing besides the blog tours? Uh, I act as a marketing consultant. I actually just um, finished helping Jeff Hayes set up his marketing department for Soundbooth Theater. Uh, I was working with him for the past several months. Um, cool. So I, know, you, I know Jeff's name. I know that we've interacted online. Mm -hmm. I, don't, um, I don't remember if we met at APAC or not. I'm not sure if he was there, but, um, but I definitely am familiar. I've, I've seen a lot of posts by him. Yeah, I loved working with him. He's a really great guy and an awesome narrator. Um, I love how he just has this completely different take on narration. It's really neat. Um, but yeah, so I, I can be hired as an independent uh, marketing consultant and sort of evaluate your brand and say, hey, I, you know, you're doing really great in this area. I think you're a little weak here. Maybe here are some uh, things that you could do to uh, strengthen this area of your, your branding or, or your marketing uh, scheme. So what are some of the things that you look at when it comes to branding? If somebody comes to you and says, well, I'm not really sure, what can you do for me? What do you look at to determine what it is that they need help with when it comes to branding? Well, my philosophy is that your work isn't your brand. You are your brand. Mm -hmm. So, Rich, uh, if you were a new narrator just starting out, a lot of new narrators tend to want to um, put their their audiobooks out in in the forefront, which is you know a, a natural um, assumption there that you know listeners are only interested in your audiobooks. But that's not always the case. And if you think about it, you are the thing that connects all of your audiobooks. So it makes sense that you would be the focus, and then through you, they would uh, become introduced to all of your work, not just one title, but all of your titles, since you're the common denominator. So I view the uh, narrator or the author, whichever case, uh, as your brand. So if, if you were coming to me for... Uh, branding advice, I would say, okay, um, start out with social media. If you don't have a website, get a website as soon as possible. Professionalism uh, is extremely important to me. So you want to make sure that your, um, your domain name is something professional and you want to make sure that you have an email address that isn't, um, you know, Gmail or Hotmail or something like that. You want to have, um, an email address maybe that corresponds with your uh, your website's URL. Sure, These yeah. are just little things that sometimes get overlooked or people don't think are as important as they are, mm -hmm. but they add up to the big picture, which is your brand. Makes sense. Uh, and and it's, it's really interesting that you say that about um, your brand is you as opposed to, you know, this one thing or that one thing. Um, and so you want the, the customer, the potential customer 
to get to know you, not just the fact that you narrated this one book. Um, I like that idea. And that was one of the things that I thought of when I was coming up with the, the audiobook speakeasy is I wanted people to listen to whoever I had on the show here as um, not just, well, this is a potential contact and this is what they can do for me, but to actually get to know people a little bit better, which is why I, I like to find out where people are from and what they did before they're doing their their current stint in the audiobook world. Because I think that that really helps people know who it is that they're going to work with. Exactly. It, it humanizes them. And I hate um, the, the concept of humanization because a human shouldn't have to be humanized. But uh, that, until I think of a better word, that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah, no, um, it, I, I hear you. It gives a... Um, well, a, a face to the name or a face to the voice or a name to the voice um, to, to let listeners know that this is a real person. It's not just some, you know, disembodied voice reading to you. This is a real person and they have uh, other talents and they have other books and they have interests. And uh, it really allows the listener to feel like they know you and take an interest in you and then therefore your other work through you. And it's easier for them to listen to you speak if they have some idea of, of who you are. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. I like that. So, uh, so that was kind of, kind of went off on a tangent there on the branding. Um, but, but getting back to the whole marketing thing. So you do the blog tours and you do, uh, work, uh, consulting work on branding. What else? Uh, I have an adoption program. I have this page on my website called Adopt an Audiobook. And that idea actually came from um, my stint as uh, an animal welfare activist. <laughs> I was um, vice president of a nonprofit organization here locally that uh, rescued animals. And um, I thought, well, not that audiobooks need rescuing, but you're, you're taking this audiobook into your consideration, you're listening to it, you're offering feedback, you're sort of taking it under your wing and you're offering feedback, um, not just to the world, but to the narrator and to the author who, you know, as you know, read the reviews. Oh, yeah. So I have this uh, adoption program where... Uh, Rich say that, you know, you wanted to find reviewers for your newest audiobook, but you didn't really have time to uh, deal with the tour and interview questions and the interactive features of that. So you just wanted to say, here, Jess, I'm giving you my promo codes, find reviewers for me. I would put your uh, audiobook on my adoption page and say, uh, okay, anybody who wants a free copy of this in exchange for a review, let me know. Uh, I have a newsletter that goes out with the page once a week. So uh, every Sunday, I think at 6 p.m., anyone signed up for that newsletter list will get uh, an email saying, here are the newest audiobooks that are available for adoption. Uh, if you're interested, let me know. And then I, I, uh, I send them a code. They send me uh, the receipt that Audible emails to them or either a screenshot of um the receipt, you know, as proof of purchase. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they have three months to write a review. And I, I try to make it as easy as possible for reviewers as well. I offer review guidelines and, um, you know, I, I, they have access to my email address, you know, for any questions or anything like that. What's the, uh, what's the current readership of the, the uh, newsletter that you send out with this information? That newsletter, I'm not sure. I would have to check. <laughs> um, that's one of my newest newsletters, so I don't think it's as um, 
quite as large as the others right now. And I want to say it's around 150. Okay. But you're, but that's one of the newest ones. And so your plan is to kind of ramp that up and get that out to more right. people. Right. And, and it's completely organic. So, uh, people sign, it's not like I'm going around peddling it to, to reviewers, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they, they sign up as they, as they want and, um, keep getting that email and adopting audiobooks. That's great. I, I was unfamiliar with that one. Um, that sounds like a cool thing. So in addition to the marketing stuff, you are also still an avid listener of audiobooks. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Cool. Uh, so as a listener and, and you're still reviewing as well in your blog. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so as a listener and a reviewer, um, what are your thoughts on what works and what doesn't, uh, it, it, specifically in terms of narration, not so much the books themselves and, and the text and the, and the subjects, but what works and, uh, and what doesn't? Hmm. Um, honestly, I think anything could work if it's done correctly. Uh, uh, some things might take a little more, um, you know, outside the box thinking, but honestly, the biggest thing for me is quality. You can have an extremely talented narrator who can do all the voices, all the accents, you know, hitting everything on the head. But if it sounds like they're talking through a tin can or if there's white noise in the background or uh, you can hear them swallow, that's one of my pet peeves. <laughs> um, <laughs> then, you know, readers or I'm sorry, listeners aren't going to be able to focus on the stellar accents that are being performed because they're too distracted by the poor quality. So I think um, sound quality or having a good sound engineer or learning to do it yourself um, is honestly the most important thing. Wow, that is really interesting. Uh, and, And you said that it really annoys you when you hear things like people swallowing. So you're actually hearing things like that currently. Yeah. Um, and actually that was something whenever I was setting up my microphone for this interview, I was trying to figure out, see, I, I have never had any training with narration. Uh, so I was trying to figure out how close to put the microphone because I don't want you to be able to hear my, um, my peas, you know, popping peas. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Any, every last sound that's coming out there. Right. And I don't have the, what do you call the circular filter? Pop screen. Um, Yes, I don't have one of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, I probably should invest in one. But yeah, things like that. That's just, um, I- I've heard it all, Rich. That's, that's <laughs> and, really and... interesting to hear. I know that um, I I completely agree with you. I think that when I hear something in an audiobook where it's a technical thing and I think, are you kidding me? This would have been so easy to not have in there. But I don't hear that very often. So it's interesting that you even, you know, in this day and age where I think pretty much everybody who's producing these does or should know that the the technical aspect is fairly important that you're still hearing things like that. Right. But you have to consider, you know, sometimes authors want to narrate their own books. And Ooh, while that yeah. is a bold choice, uh, I do think that it should be given a lot of consideration. <laughs> I, uh, I, I completely agree. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of author narration. I think it takes a really special uh, author to be able to narrate their own audiobooks. They can't all be, you know, Neil Gaiman, right? right? right. Um, 
So really, really give that thought and do your homework. Uh, get a, a pop, what did you call it, a pop screen? Pop filter, um, pop screen, yeah. Yeah, and maybe take some training. Talk to professional narrators. Really, really um, do your due diligence if you're going to take something like that on. Coaching, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I continue to push that whenever I can. If you're, if you're fairly new... And thinking, I'll just read a book. Uh, yeah. You oh, yeah. Really Narration <laughs> is so much more than than reading. I feel like that's an assumption that a lot of authors or maybe even new narrators make. Um, but it's it's a performance. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's good. So uh, so that's what doesn't work. So in the in the audiobooks that you've listened to, where the narration was really captivating, is there anything you can point to, or is it just sort of an overall kind of feeling? Okay, let me tell you what just knocked my socks off last week. I'm in the process of writing the review right now, and it's taking so long to write this review because I I can't properly express uh, the feelings that I felt when hearing this this audiobook. It was the Illuminae Trilogy by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. It's uh, a young adult, uh, I almost said soap opera, space opera. (laughs) Um, it's, uh, the, it just ended Obsidio, the last installment just came out like maybe two weeks ago. And I was lucky enough to hear it, uh, as soon as it came out and it absolutely floored me. Um, the whole trilogy has just been done amazingly. It's really raised the bar. They used a full cast. Oh my gosh. Full cast recording. You don't see that too often. It's getting more common, but, uh, pretty rare still. I know. And I have to wonder, you know, I would love to be a fly on the wall of those recording booths. How do they pull this off? But it was, it was done. It was, it was executed brilliantly. And it just, the final product was a wonder to behold, in, in my opinion. I know I'm gushing, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. If, if it was something that really knocked your socks off. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. And not just the story, you know, it's, it's, it's so hard, even in normal circumstances, it's hard to separate the writing of a story with the narration because uh, it, an audiobook is such a, a the, the the writing and the narration is a symbiotic mm-hmm. thing, and it's really hard to for me to separate whenever I'm writing a review. But I always try, and I, I think I do a pretty good job of it. With this particular series, I didn't even attempt it. Because the two were melded together so perfectly. They just created like one beautiful thing that I, I, it was impossible to separate, you know, because both impacted my enjoyment of the other. That's great. That's great. So that, so the full cast recording worked very well. What was the last, uh, do you remember the last thing that you listened to that had just a single narrator that really kind of blew you away? Um, gosh. Okay. Well, the Cruel Prince, um, Caitlin did an absolute, I'm blanking on her last name right now, <laughs> and I know her too. Um, <laughs> she did an absolutely wonderful job, and I told her, I wrote the review, and then I, I messaged her, or no, she messaged me on Twitter thanking me for the review, and uh, I just, again, I said, I'm so proud to know you because you just absolutely um, just did me proud, like like I'm, like I'm your mama. <laughs> Caitlin Kelly. Just so Yes, Caitlin Kelly. That, I wanted to say that, but I wasn't 100%. <laughs> so, yeah, she did great. Cool. And and it was just because she was so involved in the story? 
Yeah, I mean, she really did a performance. You know, you hear some audiobooks, and um, sometimes the, you know, if you're unlucky, the narrator gets in the way, and you focus too much on the narrator and not enough on the story. Other times, um, the narrator doesn't get in the way, but they don't add anything either. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes the narrator actually enhances the story, right? That's the goal. Uh, I'm sure that's the goal for you too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She absolutely enhanced the story. Sounds like a good listening experience. It was, it really was. And that's what I always say, you know, this was an experience. So when it comes to reviewing audiobooks, is there anything that you won't review or is there anything that you won't listen to? Personally, yes. Uh, There are quite a few things and they're all listed on my website on the uh, request page where you can request a review. Um, I'm not a big fan of romance, uh, even, you know, on TV, movies, anything like that. It's just one giant eye roll for me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I like to be able to pick my own horror um, because I am such a baby. (laughs) Um, I don't like anything that's exceedingly gory or um, just unnecessarily scary. So I like to be able to kind of vet my own horror listens. Um, And uh, yeah, those are the two main things. Oh, and uh, I'm starting to get into nonfiction right now, um, but I still like to kind of pick and choose my nonfiction as well. Almost everything else is fair game. Um, I'm a big fan of paranormal and fantasy, science fiction, things like that. Uh, again, though, they're, all the details are on my website. But um, promotionally, I will accept uh, anything, virtually anything for promotion. Um, if my tour hosts have an interest in it, then we'll promote it. Cool. That's good to know. And so that's um, spelled out on your website. So anybody can just go there and find out what you will and won't or don't really want to listen to. So what? So you said that you you just recently got into nonfiction. What's the latest, what's the last nonfiction audiobook that you listened to? I actually just finished uh, this book called George and Marina. It's about the uh, the previous Duke and Duchess of Kent. Again, I'm an Anglophile. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's about... Uh, Princess Marina of Greece, primarily, and her husband, um, Prince George, the the Duke and Duchess of Kent. It was really good. I, I since it's about royalty, that's the type of nonfiction that I like. Um, if it's about someone or uh, a person or a subject that I'm interested in, then you know I'll, I'll listen to it. Well, that's good. That's good. So uh, so it sounds like you are doing great with the uh, reviewing and the marketing and everything and uh, that you're still going to keep going in that direction for now. Yep. I'm keeping busy. Cool. So you have any words of wisdom for any narrators out there? Uh, well, I mean, as far as recording, do your due diligence, get coaching. Like you said, uh, talk to other narrators, join the community. I know narrators have an awesome, um, tight knit community and, uh, uh, as far as branding and marketing, just don't overlook it. I always say if an author is doing it, a narrator should be doing it too. There's no reason that, um, especially in cases of royalty shares, um, there's no reason an author should be pulling all of the marketing weight. So don't think, you know, oh, that's that's for the, uh, the author to do. That's not the narrator's job. Narrators market too. Okay, that's uh, that's good to hear. 
an interesting perspective by somebody who actually does that kind of work. So good to hear. Have you ever, uh, have you ever been to APAC? Uh, no, I'm sorry. I, I thought you were talking about DPAC. It's a theater here in Durham, the Durham Performing <laughs> Arts Center. APAC. <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't been lucky enough to go yet. No, um, I, I think that you would find it really interesting. And it would. I'm sure that given the work that you do, it would be really, um, I don't know, interesting, fascinating, fun, I don't know, to, uh, to meet a whole bunch of the narrators all in one place. For sure. Hopefully it's on can, my list. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully you can make it there at some point. Absolutely. I, I would love to. All right. Well, cool. Um, so, Jess, where can people find you? Uh, the audiobookworm.com is where I do my uh, reviews and resource reviews and everything uh, having to do with, you know, my personal blog. And audiobookwormpromotions.com is the uh, home base for my promotional services. Okay. And I know that you sent me a link to... Um the it's a uh like a brochure about the services that you provide my media kit yes yeah the media kit and that's available from audiobookworm promotions yes okay cool i will uh put that in the show notes and that way people can find you quickly if they are inclined to uh to do something like that sounds like it's going well for the people that uh that you work with that's what i hear yeah that everyone seems <laughs> pleased cool that's great well, thank you so much for coming in, Jess. I really appreciate you spending the time to uh, come into the speakeasy, have a drink, and uh, chat about audiobooks. Thank you. It was my first time in a speakeasy, and I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, it's not my first time in a speakeasy, but I enjoyed it too, <laughs> so I'm glad you could make it. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. All right. Well, that's it for tonight. Many thanks to Jess, the audio bookworm, for stopping by. I really enjoyed hearing her take on marketing audiobooks, and I hope you did too. You can find the audiobook speakeasy on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean, and all the apps that pull from iTunes. And you can find me at richvoiceproductions.com, where I've got some samples and links to audiobooks I've narrated, a place where you can sign up for my monthly newsletter, and where I'm also posting episodes of the audiobook speakeasy. If you're enjoying our speakeasy chats, please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you're not enjoying them, please find a podcast you do enjoy and leave them a review. If you think this show is educational, entertaining, or valuable simply because it gives you an excuse to sit down and enjoy a cocktail in an otherwise hectic day, I'd really appreciate it if you could visit patreon.com slash audiobookspeakeasy and donate a buck or two. You donate per episode, but don't worry about things getting out of control. You can set a monthly maximum. Special shout-out this week to Mark Dillon, my newest patron. Thanks, Mark. Your financial support is greatly appreciated, and it's helping to keep the lights on here in the speakeasy. I've got lots of great guests lined up for the speakeasy between now and the Audiobook Publishers Association Conference in late May, so come on back and have a drink with us while we chat about audiobooks. Until we see you here in the speakeasy again, I hope you can find some time to enjoy an audiobook. Cheers! Cheers!